And welcome to Mark's Noon Show. Man, this week is flying by. Got a little vibes there with Tribe Called Quest to kick things off. I'm so excited. Uh, my guest today, he's having massive success. In fact, he was just telling me that he got some good news uh, from the folks, fine folks at Amazon. Uh, my um, my guest is author Malik Blade. And uh, let me let me touch in. Malik, are you there? Are you there? I'm here. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm going to, I got, uh, for some reason, okay, there we go. For some, I had some interference, but yeah, man. So again, my, uh, my guest is author Malik Blade. His book is Whole Brother. Uh, Malik, uh, again, welcome to the show. And let's Glad first, to be here. yeah, man, well, let's first talk about who you are, man, before we even get into the conversation about your book. Tell us about yourself, Malik. Sure, sure. Uh, so I'm originally from Washington, D.C., uh, and I've made my way around the country just with uh, going to school and getting into different things. Uh, but like I said, originally from Washington, D.C., I've also went to college in North Carolina. And then I began working in university life. So I worked at a university, uh, a college also in, in North Carolina, but also in Oklahoma. And I spent some time in California as well. So I've just been been all over traveling and uh exploring a lot of different things, but as far as going through school and learning and growing and transitioning from the D.C. Uh, area, uh, I felt led to put my attention toward charitable work. So a year ago, around this time, I launched a nonprofit called the Whole Brother Mission, which essentially focuses on providing assisted access to men in need for counseling and therapy. Uh, just from my experiences working in university life, but also my family and friends, I saw a need for men to have support services. A lot of times they don't have that. And then sometimes uh, finances keep them from getting that support that they need. So I wanted to create a space that was focused on offering those services to men. To, to men. So a year ago, around this time, we launched the Whole Brother Mission, a 501c3 based in the state of California, uh, but do, offering services nationwide any man who may need counseling services. And uh, like I said, about a year ago we launched, and now a year later uh, we're releasing our first resource, uh, the book, Whole Brother, Debunking the Myths that Break the Black Family. So needed, my friend, so needed. I was just, um, today I was listening to a, a debate um, on MSNBC, and it you know how you get caught in your car, like you get ready to get out of the car and there's some content that you just, you know, that you, you, you know, you're shocked to hear. So you just end up staying in the car to listen to the whole thing. And so on MSNBC, they were having a debate uh, about the, uh, I guess, the 1619 project in New York and, you know, the historical uh, project that they did uh, in, in New York with, with uh, an article and uh, talking about slavery in America and the panelists, it was like a black panel as opposed to usually there's just one black person. And it was a black panel that actually um, not not only were they esteemed, but they had, you know, different opinions. They didn't all agree. And I was in the car, man, sitting there and they actually on MSNBC this morning, it went for like 17 minutes and closed the show. And I was like, you just don't hear us on mainstream media and to be honest we don't hear us much at all and so a whole brother project piece man is so needed and i'm so glad that you're, you you did it and this book uh you know based on what you're telling me even is that people 
people needed this. They're buying it and they're excited about it. So then tell us about the book and tell us what you've learned. What, what do we need? What is going on in our community? Yeah. So I want to make it clear that I don't uh, believe I have all the answers. I think a lot of people have tried to give their two cents on what the black community needs right over the years. And not to say that those contributions aren't helpful, but I do think we want to, we want to be humble and recognizing that we have our experience, but no one has the cure-all. So in no way is this book a cure-all, but I will say that I think that the uniqueness of what I'm bringing is oftentimes when you have uh, books like this that address the family, that address black people as a, as a culture, it's typically a, uh, an older gentleman who's far along in life, typically has a family, or is probably a professor probably teaching African-American studies. Those are oftentimes the people bringing the perspective for books like this. Although I am in a doctoral program now, I am 26 years of age, 20, turning 27 this year. And I think it's important to have uh, younger people contribute to this conversation as well, because I think oftentimes the assumption is that people, uh, whether it be millennials or just younger people in general, aren't focused, aren't thinking about community development, and aren't mature. So I thought it was important that me uh, in this stage of life writing this book to contribute to the conversation with a current knowledge of how social media is affecting families and how just how things are just different for this generation coming up for college students and even for older generations adapting to the new world that we live in. So I'm bringing a unique perspective on these things and I'm pretty much addressing, uh, I would say, three main things. One, the idea of fatherhood in the black community. Two, the idea of mental health in the black community. And three, how black men and women view masculinity. I would say those are the three big things I'm hitting on. And those are three. I mean, I mean, those are great topics, again, that need exploring. And you're absolutely right. The perspective, you know, I'm 50, I'll be 54 this year. The perspective, even for me as a 54 year old, I feel like the ideas were outdated. So for a 27 year old, I know that it definitely needs to be addressed. And uh, mm -hmm. I love it. You know, the um, you're absolutely right. As far as the standpoint of most 20 year olds never get the microphone these days on these shows. And, but they do have the mic on social media. So there's a right. whole there's, and like you see, and like you said, there's, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. Cause the older generation, um, you know, the older generation, like you said, they don't necessarily, uh, they're not necessarily where the younger people are. So you have to politically, just even just look politically. Like when you look at, you know, I work meaning working in radio and my wife works in television. I think it kind of keeps us young from a standpoint of we are aware of conversations or aware of the feelings of younger people. And something that, you know, I, when I would talk to my peers about when we you know, like uh, they always, there was always, they're always confused. I think a lot of black folks, didn't understand why so many young black folks felt Bernie. And I was, I used to always explain to them, you have to remember there was a generation of young folks who came out of college, you know, they bought into the American dream. They came out of college. Many of them spent a ton of money, went to prestigious schools. And not only did they not, right. Not only did they not get a job in the field that they majored in, many of them got a job at Starbucks or got a job at Walmart and this was like five years ago. And so that American right. dream piece 
that, you know, like you say, the older blacks, you know, we came up in a generation where you could get, get your degree and you may not be in a, a, the field that you wanted to be in, but you can make a living and shoot. At the end of the day, you end up living a comfortable living in something that you didn't even have passion about. So, again, I'm sure in your, you know, in your conversations, tell us what you found out. What, you know, like you said, what do young people as we let's look at fatherhood first, the idea of fatherhood, you know, for me, it was, you know, when I was coming out of college, it was everybody wanted to get a corporate job. Everybody wanted a BMW. Everybody wanted the white picket fence. What is it now? Right. Yeah. So I would say that it, once again, it, it varies socioeconomically, right? So I'm hoping to bridge the gap here between those generations, but also in socioeconomic status. I think the aspiration to get a big corporate job may be the case for certain types of black people, but there's other black people, depending on where they are socioeconomically, may not even see that as a possibility. There's guys who grow up in neighborhoods where they look around and the most popular guy in the neighborhood may be a drug dealer. So what we see ends up playing a part in what we aspire to. So what I'm, what I'm hoping to do here is to address the idea of fatherhood from a perspective of not just saying young, here's a young perspective, listen to this, but to also kind of challenge the ideas of how older men in our community view being a father, because there are a lot of critiques that are leveraged against young black men of today and black people of today. But I want to create a space to have the conversation what that these people of today, you may criticize Gen Z or millennials, but they were raised by somebody. So we have to look back and ask questions about how are we viewing fatherhood to begin with? And one of the big challenges that I'm putting forth is through the myths, Toward the mid, middle to the end of the book, I'm addressing different myths that we believe, believe debunking the myths that break the black family. And the myths are typically ideas that we as black men tend to accept as it relates to masculinity and as it relates to fatherhood. So what I'm addressing here is the idea of how do we view fatherhood? And for many of us, fatherhood is considered uh, protecting and providing. It's just that simple. I bring home the bacon. And if someone breaks into my home, I have my gun ready or I'm ready to fight. Sometimes it's limited to just that. And I want to challenge that notion and help us to see, regardless of what generation you come from, fatherhood is more deep and uh, complex than we may have realized. And if a father is lacking in certain areas, it ultimately will affect how his son develops. That's so interesting because one of my pet peeves, I was raised by a single mother and, you know, I've kind of achieved the, um, like you say, the American dream, the white picket fence. But you're absolutely right from a standpoint of the part that used to kill me and still kills me is especially the older generations. We used to talk about this uh, this big argument that we still have in our community about basically a man being, you know, a man being in charge of the house. You know, the man of the house is the is the leader. You know, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, but this is coming from people who mostly are raised by single black moms, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was like, it's a fantasy. Just like, just like you said, the provider myth. I mean, the reality was since slavery, black women had the money, you know what I mean? They had, they had more than we had because we have been preyed upon the whole time, you know? And so even though, even in the, you know, in the fifties and sixties, dad was out there working hard, but big mama had that cookie jar you know, whether she say put the money away and she saved, and so it's almost like we were we're battling against the myth, you know, versus like look just being honest and being real, and and because like you said, if you cannot be the provider, 
and you build everything on being the provider, then who are you if you can't be the provider? So the cre- it creates exactly. this it creates this thing like you like you said. If you, are you not a man if you're not a provider? And the funny thing about as I'm realizing at 54, and I look around even with my peers, there was a point in my marriage when I was you know not the provider, but I made the most money. You know, but the blessing was I never bought into that anyway. So when I lost my three hundred thousand dollar job and made twenty five thousand dollars and didn't really even get back close for another six or seven years. If I had based who I was on that, I would have been a mess. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so, and, I, and that's what I think that's exactly what happens. But then, like you said, some brothers never even get to that point. Not to, not, not a knock. I'm just saying this, the system is, you know, there's a reason why the, when you look at corporate America or look at, you know, in, in general, sisters are thriving and brothers aren't, especially as they get older, you know? And so, um, I like the fact that you're, and, and like you said, the fatherhood piece is, cha- it is tied to, it's, it's all tied together. It's all tied together. The, the masculinity, fatherhood, and, um, you know, the, 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 the um, mental health, it's kind of all tied together. And so in your book, uh, you're addressing this. And then is there a shift in how young men look at what fatherhood is and what masculinity is? Definitely. Um, I don't want to base a whole culture off of social media, but I'll say that there is a, a culture and that culture is very active on social media. And a lot of times what you'll see is the idea of just not taking fatherhood very seriously. And oftentimes this was, you know, once again, I, I wanted to have this community discussion and book form because I, I think that a lot of times as black people, we are skeptical of having certain community discussions because we're worried about well, what will white people say about it or how will it be perceived or will pundits use this as a, uh, a negative thing to put us down. But I think we'd be realistic that fatherlessness is a real issue and that ends up uh, playing out in a lot of different ways. And I think today, and this isn't new, but how it's playing out today and this has happened in years past, is that many of us as men are driven by our, our, our sex drive and end up having kids as a byproduct of lacking self-control. So in many cases, there's not this intentional goal of I want to build a family. It's that I had a wild night or I had this relationship that I wasn't really committed to and we just happened to have a child. So you end up bringing a person into this world either accidentally or unintentionally and in, in, in many cases, unfortunately, and this is, you know, not to point fingers, but sometimes we have to have these hard discussions, but there are many situations where people start relationships, they're just a few months fling, and they end up broken up before the child even comes into the world. So we have to be very realistic as men about self-control, sexuality, and how our decisions affect the children we're bringing into the world. They're just, they're not, uh, they shouldn't be an accessory like a bag or a hat. That's a whole life. And if you're just bringing a child into the world based off of a, a fling, that's, cr- that's bringing them into a very unhealthy dynamic, especially if the relationship with the mom isn't the best. You're now putting dysfunction on this new life. We're talking with author Malik Blade. His book is Whole Brother. It's so interesting. Malik, I talked to another friend. He's, a, he's in my age group. And I was kind of like, um, you know, looking at Insecure. And now we're seeing shows once again. And like you mentioned it, Malik. We're seeing shows that are produced by young black people that reflect 
the reality of being a young black person. And that is new for us because, as you said, we were always super conscious of what white folks would think about whatever. You know, if it's not if it wasn't Martin Luther King Jr., if it wasn't (laughs) the church. Right. You know, we didn't Mm -hmm. see us having sex. Definitely not. No, you know, premarital. I mean, so we had this kind of like pure image that we always maintained in public because we didn't want uh, folks to look at us a certain way. So now watching him image uh, insecure and these different shows, the sh- you know, the shy and pe- people are getting it in, you know, and I had to yeah. laugh because the, 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 but people always been getting it in. <laughs> so right. the friend I, I called <laughs> happened to be in a band and I was just like, yo, was we getting it in like this? And he said, yes. <laughs> and I had I to laugh that. because Malik, of course we have, you know, but, but we didn't see it portrayed on television. We didn't see it talked about, you know what I mean? Right. And we right. didn't, and, you know, unlike the younger people, we didn't even hear it in music like that. We heard it more romantic. We heard it, you know, like you said, a certain degree of respect, but this generation is, it's out there, but it really, the reality is though, Big Mama and them did the same thing. You know, they just didn't. That's how you got here. That's how we got here. But we just never saw it, you know. And so, you, and like you said, we sound like somebody's parents. And again, man, I made, I'm serious, Malik. I actually called my man because I just finished watching, uh, you know, one of my episodes of uh, Insecure, which I like. And But I was like, man, every week they're getting it in. But then I'm like, you know, in your 20s, that's what people do. Um, right. But But like you said now. And back then, I guess one of the things was, you know, almost like it was like, look, if you have a baby, it's your responsibility to take care of the baby. You know, that, that's what that's how we felt about it. And that was not only how we felt. It was like, a, you know, it was expected and not to say everybody did it, but it wasn't, you know, if you weren't doing it and you just again, like I, we reported the other day, you know, um, Future just had his, you know, confirmed his eighth child, you know, and right. it was right. like back in the day musicians did have them too, but it was kind of like, well, you need to take care of that. That was a part of what you're supposed to do. And it still is, but it does seem like it is a little different now. Uh, what do you, what do you think has changed? Malik? Like, is it the fact that, you know, back then we, we had the pressure because we did, we're expected to even go to church. So there was a, almost a standard moral, uh, you know, measuring that happened, including the pressure from your peers. And then maybe that's gone. What, what do you think changed? I can't speak for a generation that I wasn't in, but here's what I think it happened. Here's what I've observed. I think that the idea of kind of being reckless when it comes to that in your younger years has oftentimes been acceptable uh, regardless of generation. I think previous generations hit it better. Uh, they had a level of PR in mind, and those things weren't broadcasted, although they were done in the dark. Yeah. This current generation now has no shame, and everything is out there. So that's why Future is out here like, you know, yeah, here's another baby mama, and he doesn't really mind, you know. And from his perspective, I would imagine him uh, making the money he makes. I can afford it. Uh, and it, know, doesn't hurt, and it doesn't hurt his it doesn't hurt his image, quote-unquote, right? It really At doesn't. All. It like, actually bolsters right, it. Right. Because I right. think as men, unfortunately, a part of what I'm addressing in the book is, we praise sexual infidelity. We praise recklessness. So a lot of his fan base are like, oh, that's, you know, that's my guy. And He's then getting all these beautiful women. 
what caught me off guard, to be honest, uh, Malik, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but I was having a conversation, and when Lori Harvey was linked to him, I asked somebody, you know, hey, you know what I mean? Almost like, what do you think about that? Because it's almost like, you know what I mean? It's almost like, you know, how do you think Steve Harvey feels about this? And they were like, oh, you know, you know, future's cute or whatever. <laughs> it wasn't, I was expecting, you know, almost like not outrage, but you know what I'm saying? Why would you mess around with this guy when you know he's got, eight, you know, you know what I mean? But I was kind of surprised that it even seemed like even women are more, I don't say accepting, but I think, I guess it is accepting. There, it, it is what it is. And like you said, because of the money, it's almost like, well, he can, he can afford it. Unfortunately, I think many women have dealt with men who are uh, who cheat, who who aren't faithful, and mm. I think as men we've accepted this idea that we really don't have to be faithful. Malik, can you adjust your phone a little bit? You 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 change a little bit. Did you did anything change? Okay, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's a little better. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, I think we've accepted this idea. Men get around. It's just the way we are. It's a part of being a man as opposed to taking control of your sexual desires. And because many of us, rather than trying to change that, we look around and see, well, mom and dad had issues. Apparently, granddaddy cheated on grandma. My cousin has three girlfriends. We have accepted it as men and chosen not to rise above uh, cheating. And unfortunately, I think because we've doubled, many of us have doubled down on that for so many years, I think women in many cases, have been weighed down and have begun to just accept it. I'm hearing more and more women on, with platforms saying, you know what, all men cheat. It's just the way it is. I can get over a little cheating. And you're hearing this phrase, I'd rather have a bond over a label. Or it's better that we have an understanding. I don't need the label. So I think what used to be women demanding commitment, they now are accepting a lot less. Again, we're talking with uh, author Malik Blade. The book is Whole Brother. As we wrap up, Malik, uh, give us your last thoughts on your book and then tell us how we can get the book and how we can reach you. Definitely. Well, my social media is at Malik Blade, M-A-L-I-E-K-B-L-A-D-E. And my book is being produced through our our nonprofit, The Whole Brother Mission, also available on social media at Whole, W-H-O-L-E, Brother Mission. It's our first resource, and our focus is equipping men to be whole in every area of life. So those are the ways you can connect with me and the and the nonprofit. And and final thoughts for the book, I would say that I think this is a great time to have this discussion because with the pandemic going on, a lot of people are at home and able to force to think deeply about things. So it's my hope that this book will inspire a discussion for us to reflect about the generational differences, what we've accepted, relationships and mental health, and all those things, even sexuality. So that we can chart a better course, because I think oftentimes we get so focused on politics and, and reparations and, and who we're voting into office and all those things are important. But none of those things matter if you're struggling and if your family is falling apart and, and if internally you aren't right. So I want us as a community to take the time to do some individual work and some community work as far as how we relate to each other and what's acceptable and what's not. So I want to start the discussion in a healthy way and, and look up years from now and see us at a different place. Man, that's amazing. Uh, the book is available on Amazon. Whole Brother Debunking the Mr. Break the Bike Family. Sorry. 
<laughs> Malik, thank you so much. Malik Blade, our author, whole brother. Hey, man, we're excited about what you're doing. Look forward to, for you to come back. And, man, keep up the good work, okay? Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Malik Blade joining us and again, talking about real issues in our communities. And it's real, man. You know, I, I think we have to talk about, uh, I believe, in our ca- character issues within our community. We don't, it's almost like the uh, elephant in the room. Nobody wants to bring it up, but I think we really got to talk about it. Thank you for listening. Please share. Make sure you check out Allison and Marketing Afternoon on WHUR 3 to 7. And make sure you share. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure you share the podcast. And if you're listening on Allison and Mark, Allison and Mark app on the radio, thank you so much. We appreciate you. And make sure you also uh, share and let people know to download the app. Of course, iTunes and where you get your apps. All right. Have a great one. We'll wrap things up with After 7. Peace.